Welcome back to the barn. As always, this is Metro Cornelius. Thanks for listening in. This episode, we're going to talk about livestock judges. This episode's been kind of hard for me. Um, it's hard to uh, find ways to talk about livestock judges um, in a way that uh, I can communicate with you guys on, on what I think without uh, bringing up names or specific situations um and livestock judges are always kind of hard to talk about um you know everybody talks about them as soon as the show's over you walk through the barns everybody's got something to say about what the judge picked what they didn't pick what they missed what they got right what they talked about this that and uh you know it's all really fresh um the other part of it is there's no there's no national committee of livestock judges. There's no um, authority on livestock judges that holds them accountable, um, that doubles back on on their decisions and what they say and and how they did here and how they did there and and uh, and relay relay that to future shows. Um, you know, a lot of people compare livestock judges to um, baseball umpires or football referees and and uh, you know it's not really the case you know a baseball umpire makes three really bad calls and somebody's upset and they throw them out and and uh, it's a really divisive game at the end of it they might they may get fined they might they might get fired they uh, they may never umpire a, a game again. Uh, you go to livestock judges, and you can have some very poor livestock judges that continue judging shows because they're available. Um, it's just a completely different situation. I think there is some correlations there to some other things, but I think that it's just a hard subject to talk about uh, openly, honestly, when... Um, there aren't tons of livestock judges out there that do a really, really good job everywhere they go. And there's lots of livestock judges out there that do a very average job at a lot of different places. Um, but I'm going to try to kind of break this down, talk openly, hopefully give you guys some ideas on uh, maybe things to think about as we approach a show, things to think about post-show. Um, you know, do we... Do we take what the judge said home with us, or do we leave that at the show and forget about it and just keep showing? Um, I think there's definitely um, times when we need to do both, times when we need to respect what the judge had to say and take it home with us and try to fix and work on those things that they brought up. I think there's other times when you move on, forget about it, and go shoot, keep showing and, and uh, hopefully keep showing in front of better judges. Um, so we're going to talk about these things. Some of this is kind of fresh in my mind. We just got home from uh, Nebraska State Fair not that long ago. We took some feeder calves down there for the jackpot show. We always pull a few of our sale calves off, take them down there, have some fun showing as a family, doing some uh, enjoyable showing. Uh, and uh, we always try to make that when we can, and it's enjoyable for us to get back out and do a little bit of showing. And uh, we had a great time, get, get a chance to get a few calves out, um, 
get some extra show time in front of them before they um, get prepped and ready for our sale. So that was fun. Um, got a chance to see three or four different judges while I was down there, so this is kind of all fresh in my mind. Um, been watching a lot of state fairs and county fairs lately, um, so a lot of this is um, fresh to me and, and uh, giving me more ideas on on uh, what to talk about here and hopefully guys get get some good information out of this one um, probably gonna get a little bit long hopefully it doesn't get too ranty and boring for you guys um, but I think this is an important subject to the industry I think it's important for you guys as as show families to understand some of this and uh, I think it's very important for the future of, of cattle shows I think you know no matter what happens no matter how long you show, what kind of cattle you raise, um, livestock judges play a huge role in the differences between showing today and showing 10 years in the future. So with that, we'll get started. First, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to talk about what it means for me to look at the show and say, that's a good judge. What What is a good judge to me? Um, to start out with, with me, it's, it's respect. Do I respect them in the ring for whatever decisions they make, right? Even if I don't agree with them, even if I'm mad because I, you know, should have been third in the class or second in the class or first in the class and I end up eighth, tenth, eleventh. They miss me. They, they miss me, whatever, um... I thought I should have done better, but I didn't. Do I still respect that person when it's all said and done? Whether I win or lose, uh, grand champion or last place, do I respect them in the cattle breed? Do I respect them in the cattle industry? So for me, that means two things. One, they did a stand-up job in the ring. No matter what they picked, they picked for a reason, whether I agree, agree with those reasons or not. They picked on reasons, and at the end of the show, I knew what reasons they picked on, and I can respect the grand champion. If a judge can do that in the ring, I'm good with them. Another big part of it is respect outside the ring. And that can mean a lot of different things. But I think a livestock judge that's going to walk into a ring and evaluate cattle should hold respect within the industry outside of the ring. That can mean a lot of different things. That may mean this person raises high-quality club calves every year, puts them out on sales. This person raises high-quality red Angus show heifers every year, sells them, has a nice herd. This person may raise scimitol, shorthorns, whatever. They're respected in multiple avenues within the ring. And outside the ring. Maybe they uh, maybe they don't own any cattle. Maybe they don't um, raise sale calves every year and, and sell and, and help youth with their shows. Maybe you know, maybe they uh, grew up on a big ranch and uh, Then went off to college, did livestock judging, um, became a livestock coach. They've been coaching livestock, and they travel to all the shows and uh, work for a breed association or something like that. 
it doesn't necessarily mean they have to raise cattle, but I think the more time and money a person spends outside the show ring on that same type of cattle, the more respect they're going to get from me. So if, uh, if for 10 years they have been within the industry somewhere and invested a lot of time or a lot of money one way or another on the industry that they're evaluating outside the ring, that gives me more reason to respect their decisions inside the ring. And here's kind of how, how I would put it. If, uh, if I'm showing or I'm watching a show or I'm online um, live streaming a show, whatever, whatever I'm viewing as a show, and when that show gets done, the judge calls me and said, hey, I got nothing going on tomorrow. Um, can I come and, and uh, help you sort your replacement heifers? If I if I would agree to let that person come and help me sort replacement heifers on my herd for the heifers that are going to build the future of my herd, knowing that when when you evaluate multiple head, you're going to have differences of opinions. But if I would agree to that, knowing that we're going to have a difference of opinion, but respecting that person enough to bring them here and say, yeah, I want to know what you think of this heifer. I can't quite place her. I like her, but then I don't like her here. Um, you know, sometimes she stands just right and she looks really nice and, and I like the angle of her hip. I like this. I like that. What do you think? If it's a person that I'm willing to let come here and do that, then I would gladly show, show in front of them. Knowing that they might not pick my calf. I might not have the right calf for them. There might be something like calf that was really off-putting to that judge. But I respect him. And I respect that decision no matter what. And that should come naturally, right? Sometimes you see judges walk out there, and the whole time when they're talking, it's like they're defending themselves. They're, they're in a defensive mode. They, uh, they're trying to explain their way out of decisions. They're, kind of, they're always defensive in their talk. And they're, they're always trying to get your respect. To me... I'm going to give every judge a certain amount of respect because they are willing to stand in that ring and give their opinion and be the person that 90% of the people will walk away blaming. I'm going to respect you for that. But a good judge has all my respect from the very beginning. They don't need to talk their way into my respect. They don't need to defend their way into my respect because they've already gained that respect outside the ring, if that makes sense. That's the, that's the type of judge that I want to see judging shows. Somebody who is respected outside the ring before they have to go step into the ring. And then once they step into the ring, there's certain things that I like to see out of a good judge. You know, they already have my respect because I know what they've done previously. I know the shows they've judged previously. I've watched them judge. They're experienced. They also have this huge portfolio of things they've done outside the ring that tells me that they know what's going on within this industry. And when I say within this industry, I mean whatever industry they're judging. And we can break that all the way down um, from, from ca just cattle as a species to 
Angus heifers, Simmental heifers. Uh, you know, when we change over to the steer side and the market side, I think a lot of the viewpoints and, and uh, certain characteristics that judges are pushing for begin to mesh more. But when we get to the heifer side, some of those things split. And so, yes, I think there is uh, a difference in breeds of cattle and picking judges for individual breeds um, if we have large breed-specific shows. If we have a 300-head Angus heifer show and they are all purebred Angus, then bringing somebody in that only raises Dexters and only judges Dexters probably isn't the person for that ring. Uh, when I'm saying within the industry, I mean within the industry that you're judging. Sometimes it's a lot more broad than that, right? We have prospect shows, jackpot shows. The jackpot show we were at the other day had every breed, every type from club calf down to, you know, Piedmontese. Everything was at the state fair together. There was open shows in the morning and then this jackpot was at night. So anything that was there showing was eligible for the jackpot, meaning that we're going to have multiple different, we're going to have purebred Hereford heifers showing against clubby heifers. Um, and so that is different industry than a 400 head Hereford show, right? I think we need to be more specific on those things. Um, just because you're respected in the Red Angus world doesn't mean that you're respected in the Simmental world until you go prove that in one way or the other. Um, but with that being said, let's get back to the to the good judges that I look for. Um, they've got that respect outside the ring. Moving inside the ring, what do they do that means they're a good judge to me? One is uh, they give every calf an equal opportunity to win each class. It's very frustrating when a judge walks through, looks at three calves, walks to the end and start placing them. Um, every calf should be given an equal time and opportunity to win. We've all looked at cattle before. I don't know anybody in the country that can look at a calf for two seconds and make a decision on that calf whether they're first or last. But you see that a lot. You see judges that whether they're overconfident, whether they um, feel like they've got time pressure, they walk through and pick, throw them in, in line, and then they start talking. Take their time talking, and then they're spending the whole way of time talking their way, trying to defend every decision they made. Instead of taking their time, making every decision count, looking at every calf, knowing knowing exactly why every calf stands where they do before we grab the microphone and start talking. There's a big difference there. I can see it. People that show a lot can see it. And it's, it's very frustrating to have a judge walk through and spend hardly any time actually picking the calves and spending the whole time on the microphone trying to defend and explain their way out of the decisions that they've already made. To me, I know it gets frustrating for people because it does sometimes make it a, 
you know, a longer show. Um, I want to see a judge that, that looks at every calf from a couple of different angles multiple times. You know, line them up by side by side. Make a couple passes through there. Really get a good look at their feet, at their muscle shape, at all of it. And get those calves in the profile. Spend a couple times walking up and down before we start pulling calves and making decisions. Really look at them before we ever think about making a decision. Really evaluate every calf. And then we can start pulling calves. And as we go, we should be continuing to evaluate, not just throwing calves up as fast as we can, right? Continue to evaluate as we go. Get them in the order you think and then give them another look. I know a lot of people... Uh, there must have been a pretty big show where a judge was, was pulling calves out of the profile view and putting them over in the order, and uh, the uh, the family that their calf was uh, first was already celebrating. The, uh, the judge went back through after he placed them all where he thought from the get-go. He went back through, and he spent probably another two, three minutes going through those calves again. He ended up moving the, the calf he had originally put in first down to third, second became first, and third becomes second. And there was everybody was up in arms. And I said, Well, to me that's that's what I want out of a judge. I know if that if you thought you were first place and now you're third, you're probably very upset for good reason. But the judge isn't done till the judge is dead. And that judge took the time to place him and then reevaluate. And and why why should a judge need to reevaluate, right? They should know right away. They they should know once they place them, they should know they're good to go. Well, you have to remember that when the calves walk in and there's more than four calves in that ring, you can you can judge some things by comparing calves across the ring. But sometimes bringing those calves together and standing them side by side, you get to, you get to compare those those minute differences that you were judging on. Because if they're in the top third of the the class, they're obviously good cattle, right? It's not like we're talking about a good calf versus an awful calf when we're talking about the top three out of a fifteen head class. The top three are going to be pretty good. They're going to be high quality in the judge's mind. So those decisions are probably pretty tight, right? It's not cut black and white. Nothing in judging is cut black and white. There's more gray than black and white for sure. So you bring those cattle and you stand them at the same end of the ring together where you can look at that gray a little bit better and all of a sudden that black and white might be coming out at you. And you can you can say, hey, you know, I really thought that calf stood better. I thought he had more angle to his legs. I really thought, you know, he was sounder than that. You get him over together and he, he's straighter than I first thought. That calf in, in second just gets around so much better. And they're more equal in muscle shape and, in fact, cover than I thought. Um, so I need to make it. I mean, need to make a switch here. That was a good thing for the judge to do. That showed me that whoever was showing first and third and, and got switched or whatnot doesn't matter. That judge put enough thought into it to relook at those cattle and make sure that you know it's their name on the line. It's it's their reputation on the line. That judge said, it's not, it's not worth it to me to pick a, pick a calf in the wrong order and look bad. I would rather look bad doing this and have the calves in the right order because that's, that's my reputation in the line. That, that spoke highly to me of that judge, even though a lot of people were kind of after this particular judge. Uh, 
about making that switch. And the same goes for a show that, that happened this winter in, in Ohio. Um, you know, kind of the way it was described to me was there was uh, a show, it was a large show, and uh, they showed breeds first. So each breed had their own classes. Um, they picked a grand and reserve in each breed. They picked a grand and reserve in crossbred, and then they brought all those grand and reserves into the final drive for the champion overall. Now, uh, as it was described to me, uh, I believe it was a Charlotte breed, um, but all those cattle, all those grand reserves were brought into that final drive together. The judge wasn't told which ones were grand, which ones were reserve. He was just told to go out there and pick the top five. As he's picking top five, or she's picking top five, I'm not sure which is which, um, this judge ended up picking the reserve Charlet ahead of the Grand Charlet. When, when they were putting them in order one through five, wherever they ended up, I think third and fifth or something like that. Um, and people were upset. People were mad. There's no way the reserve should beat out the grand champion. That, that should never happen. Um, I don't know that that's true. To me, that was a completely new class, right? If, uh, if I asked you to go to 10 ranches in 10 days, money's no object. You're going to show up to the ranch. You're going to pick your top five heifers at every ranch and put them in order. And we're going to write down your order and we're going to cut their tags out. And then uh, on that 11th day, we're going to have all the heifers you picked from the the top five of 10 ranches, and we're, we're going to put them in one pin at your place, and then you're going to pick the top 10 again. So you're going to have 50 head of the top of the top in your mind from every ranch. Take them back home, throw them in a pin. That 11th day, you're going to pick your top 10. You're telling me there's no chance that you're not picking the top heifer from every ranch? that maybe you pick a third over first or a, or a fifth over a second when you're picking out that top 10? Well, of course there's a chance because we've created a new class, right? We're not reevaluating the same exact animals with the same parameters. We have completely new parameters. We have new quality standards we're comparing against. When we, when we went to that ranch on day two to pick out that second set of five, we can only compare those animals to the rest of the animals standing on the ranch. When we bring them back home, we're comparing those animals to a new set of animals. So of course we're going to have changes. Of course we're going to have a reevaluation of every animal because we've created a new group of animals to, to pull from. Same with this show in Ohio. Of course that it's reasonable that when we brought those animals back together, and we've got the best of the best now, right? Because when we're in just a single breed or a single class, we have everybody that showed up. When we get into that division or that champion drive, that supreme overall, we've now completely changed the standards because we have the best of the best from multiple different selections. We've created a new class that wasn't a class before. 
So, of course, we're going to have a change in opinion of the judge. Of course, we bring that second place Charlet into the final drive and we stand it next to the, the Angus and the, you know all of these combined. We have new parameters to judge against and we might see that that reserve in this ring is a lot better than we thought in the previous ring. That, to me, speaks... speaks to the judge putting more thought into it. And I don't know that for sure. Maybe the judge had was tired, gave up, and was just grabbing calves, and they actually thought that was a grand calf. I, we can't look inside a judge's brain. We can't know exactly what's going on. We can't know the biases that are involved. We can't know all of this that, that people think they can assume. But in my mind, I would never assume... A judge is wrong until I can prove it. And to me, it's reasonable to think that that judge made a, a right decision by saying it was second in the Charlet, but once we bring it in here, we see attributes comparing it to the best of the best that we couldn't see before. And that grand, we really liked when it was standing next to the Charlets because of this and that. But when we bring it in here, those qualities don't quite match up like we thought they would. That judge can reasonably be right in the Charlet breed and right in the final drive by making that decision. A few things I wanted to cover there because there are situations that actually happened in recent history with livestock judges that, to me, were slandered and, and put down and, and kind of bullied on social media when maybe people should have stepped back and thought, well, of course it's reasonable that they wouldn't pick. Of course it's reasonable that after putting them all in the order they thought, turning back around and reevaluating them, that judge might flip the first and third. Of course that's reasonable because the top four calves were all elite calves. Or maybe it's reasonable to think that a reserve can go into the final drive and beat a grand because it's a new set of calves, we've completely flipped the script on the quality standards that we're looking for for a grand champion because now we're looking at the best of the best of multiple different breeds. We're not just standing in one breed comparing very light cattle. We've got very broad range of type and kind and breed of cattle. Of course there's a chance that that, that reserve is reasonably thought out to be better than the grand once we have changed the parameters. To me, those things don't make a bad judge. I know that's it's been some things that people have, this judge is awful because of this reason. And lots of times I say, I've been in front of a lot of awful judges. That's not one of them, right? Those aren't things that make an awful judge to me because I can't assume that the judge doesn't know what they're doing. I can't assume that the judge forgot which calf was which. I can't assume this. All I can know from a judge is what they give me. And usually they give me placings and some reasons. And that's the next topic we're going to talk about is what does a good judge do for reasons? It's pretty simple for me. I don't need, I don't need a ton. Actually, I kind of appreciate an open, honest judge that can say a few things about every single calf and be detailed enough that they're actually talking about that calf and not just using, just using random words, um, but keeping it short enough that uh, we don't spend all day listening to a judge talk. 
because there are judges that just like to talk. Um, to me, that's kind of frustrating. You know, I, I get it sometimes. I get that, uh, I think some people like that. They, they want to be entertained by a judge. Uh, they want, uh, you know, they want to sit in the stands and laugh and, you know, and, get humored and and entertained by a judge. To me, that's not me. I'm entertained by a judge that picks calves correctly and then in very easily understandable terms describes the why and keeps it short and simple. You know, I don't mind a little bit of a, you know, champion drive speech sometimes can appreciate that as long as it's, you know, sometimes short and concise. I don't mind a judge talking through showmanship very much. Um, you know, I think sometimes a judge likes to talk in showmanship more, and, and I kind of get that. You can kind of, you know, as a judge, someone who's judged showmanship, if, uh, if you can grab the mic when you've got the champion drives out there and you can kind of talk a little bit, um, you can kind of give yourself some time to let those uh, showmen kind of sweat it out and and uh, keep competing for a little bit while you talk about what you want. And sometimes you can, um, you know, sometimes, uh, like I can grab the mic and say um, some things I like about showmen and what I like to see in showmanship as there's the final drive out there. And you can kind of see which kids make adjustments, which kids don't. Um, so I don't mind the talking to a point. I just don't need an hour and a half speech during the final drive about stuff that doesn't apply. And that's usually where it kind of hits my button a little bit with over talking is we don't need to hear stories from 10 years ago about this or that. Or we don't need to hear stories about from back on the ranch. Or we don't need to hear stories from when you were showing, right? We're here now. We are trying to show in front of you. Um, if you're talking about cattle in the ring or the show itself and you're keeping it current, I don't mind a little bit of talking, but I really want to hear reasons. And when, when you give me reasons, I just need a few things. I don't need tons. I really want to leave after you've given me reasons knowing a few things. I want to know why I was behind the one in front of me. I want to know why I was ahead of the one behind me. And I want to know some things, positive or negative, that you saw in my calf. I want to leave knowing something. I want to leave knowing your opinion about my calf enough that if I can fix those things, I can go home and fix those things before I show again next week. If I leave with nothing, if I can't go home and say, you know, that's the second judge that said he, he's got too much, carrying too much weight in his front end. We got to cut back the fat content in this feed, get him, get him some higher protein, get him cleaned up a little bit. He's getting too fatty. Or, you know, that judge really, really didn't like the structure of my calf. Did I, did I maybe have him standing for too long before the show and he started getting stiff because we were on cement and we had to walk a quarter mile of cement to get to the show ring. Should we maybe let that calf lay down or take him out back to the grass and walked him for half an hour before we made him stand and get clipped? You know, if, 
if uh, I can leave with some of that, I'm, I'm pretty happy. If I can leave knowing, you know, we didn't do that good, but the judge really really was picky on this one certain thing, and, and yeah, the Cavs ahead of me and behind me were where they should have been on this single thing, even though I wish he would have picked more on this attribute or that attribute, right? If you give me just enough that I can leave with, with some of those things, I'm happy. I don't need big words. I don't need... I don't need tons of information from you. I just need to know why I stood where I stood and something good about my calf, something bad about my calf. Because the good I can keep going, the bad I can work on, and if I leave knowing why I was where I was, um, at least I have some closure and some understanding from your viewpoint what you saw in my calf. Right? If you're describing my calf, describe my calf. I don't need fancy words. I don't need a, you know, a lot of words. I just need to know what you thought about my calf. And what you thought about the calf in front of me and the calf behind me. And I can leave with, with something to work on. I can leave with feeling like whether I won or I lost, I know what I need to do. I know what I need moving forward. I know why I stood where I stood. And when I compete against the same Cavs next week, I know what I need to do to edge out that one ahead of me and make sure that one behind me doesn't catch me. So maybe instead of fifth, I can get fourth. And then the next week, maybe instead of fourth, I can get third. And then six months down the road, maybe that first place calf that we've been showing against all year, I can beat out because the judges gave me information that I needed about my calf and about my calf only so I could move on after every show. Because that's, that's the type of showing we're doing now. It's not a one and done show, right? It used to be 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of showing going outside of a stock show and a county fair, right? You showed at your county fair. You really didn't know if the judge did a good job or not because he walked in and that's the only opinion you got. And then you were eating the calves and it was a done deal. Now, most people are going to show more than once a year. You know, not everybody does. Some people just show once. Some people show twice or three times. Other people are going to show 25 times in the matter of six months. Because they're going to hit the double shows. They're going to hit that Saturday, Sunday, hour down the road shows, you know. And if judges aren't giving them anything, and judges are just making up words and talking about nothing the whole time, they don't go to the next show having much confidence or knowing what they need to do different. Because you, can, you can't completely change a calf. You can't take an awful calf that's last in its class and has no valuable attributes and three weeks later win a show. Um, but you can make small changes to the way you clip them, the way you feed them, your protocol for the show. You can make small changes as we go through the show season and get better as we go. And if the judge isn't talking enough to allow you to get better, or if he's talking so much about stuff that doesn't apply to your calf, it's hard to get better. If the judge describes your calf to you and describes the calves ahead of you and behind you with honesty and detail, you can leave with something to work on. 
and maybe you can get a little bit better every week. Every show you can get a little bit better. That's what I want to have a judge. When they start talking, I don't need the stories. I don't need to know why this calf looks like a calf you won with 20 years ago. I don't need to know this. I don't need to know that. Just describe the calf to me in a way that I can leave with something. That means a lot to me in reasons. That's what reasons are about to me. Everything else is just entertainment. And entertainment only, and I don't need to be entertained. I love show cattle. I love all cattle. It's what my life is about. It's it's a passion for me. It's a hobby for me. It's part of the way I make my living. It's a big part of my family's life and my kid's life. I am entertained by being there regardless. I don't need you to entertain me. I just want to leave with you talking enough that I can have some information going home. That's it. I hope that makes sense to people. I hope that kind of lays out what what makes a good judge for me. They're respected in the ring. They're respected outside the ring. Somehow, they have invested time and or money into the industry in one format or another. And and why do I say money? Um, If you've had to go buy 10 heifers from a sale and spend that money and go home and try to breed those heifers and keep those cows, once they turn into cows, producing for you and live live and die by those decisions, that fiscal investment... You're going to learn a lot about uh, the ins and outs of uh, the physical nature of cattle when you have to invest that money. If, let's say you're a trader and you're going to trade show calves and you have to go around the country on these private treaty sales and these small farms and, and find the ones that are missed. Find the calves you can buy for $2,500, take them back home, clip them, fit them, get them fed right and make, you know, make $500 on top of them when you resell them. If you've had to go out and do that, fiscally, I think it teaches you a better lesson than just making a bad, bad decision in the ring. You know, like for instance, it's your, if you're fresh out of college and you know your freshman year, you did livestock judging and you got awful. You know, you just did awfully. You just everywhere you competed, you were last. Yeah, you might learn from that, but. Are you going to have the investment, the fiscal investment, when you come out of college as a fresh judge that you've had time to go take 30 grand and go buy some heifers and, and try to turn them into cows or go go spend 30 grand trying to buy calves and get them, get them to homes and make a couple hundred dollars a head and have to live with the ones that you maybe lose a thousand dollars on or the cows that you thought were really good and they never have a calf and the calves they do have, they don't have any milk and so the cow ends up losing you a lot of money over a lifetime versus making you money. If you have to live and die with those decisions, if you have to fiscally invest in those decisions, you're going to be a lot more respected by me when you go make decisions in the ring because I know... I know how those change your viewpoint of evaluating a calf greatly, right? Those those mistakes 
those heifers that don't turn out to be very good cows, those those calves you think you can buy and resell and make 500 bucks on, and you lost $1,000 on because you couldn't sell the dang calf and you had to put a bunch of feed into them, those downfalls actually make you a better judge, in my opinion, because you've had to lose that money. You, you probably aren't going to make that mistake again. You probably aren't going to overlook as many things when you're evaluating cattle as maybe you would if you haven't ever invested a lot of time and or a lot of money into it. That's why I bring that up for things outside the industry. I think it makes you a lot better judge. A lot better judge. I think that it, it causes you to slow down and say, wait, right? That's the most powerful calf in the ring. Throw them towards the top. Wait. Power isn't everything. Let me go look at that calf again and see what the bone is doing underneath. See if I can tell how much cover's coming underneath that. Or is it all hard muscle and I know that calf is going to fall apart in two weeks. That calf does not have enough muscle. Wait. Let me go look at him. Let me reevaluate. Is he competent on muscle and amazing on structure and just right on fat cover? And he's just immature right now, but that calf is going to get better every day, right? Those are things that go through the mind of a judge when they're willing to say, wait. When they're willing to say, hey, I need to look at that again. I need to question myself before I lay down this class as one, two, three, four, five, six. That's important to me. And what I try to do when I'm evaluating cattle, I try to never go, that's the best calf in here, hands bar, kick him to the top, forget about him. I think that makes a bad judge. I think that, that leads to bad decisions, decisions we have to try to defend instead of being confident in and respected by those decisions, right? Look at a calf, think it's the best calf in there, move him towards the top, but don't forget about him. Go back, reevaluate them after you've made some other decisions. Go back. That one you didn't think was any good at all. Go back. There's some good in there somewhere, I promise you. Because every calf is, a, is an individual. And we have to continue to treat it that way, even though sometimes it doesn't. Um, a respectable judge, in my opinion, understand that every calf is an individual. There is no two calves that are exactly alike. We have cloning and all that. We've proven time and time again. No matter how much we think we know about cattle being exactly the same and how many we think that calf looks like the national champion from from two months ago, so I should probably pick that calf. There's still a lot of differences in there. You just have to be willing to dig in and find them with your eyes. And that's one of the things that covered the last part of respectable judges to me. And that's that's age. I think there's really good judges that are young judges fresh out of college. But if I'm going to show, I want, you know, I want a judge that's been out of college for at least a couple years. I think there's things you learn, you know, not everybody can have 10 years of experience in, in judging livestock shows, right? But I think there are experiences that you get that, uh, that teach you as you get older and when we're trying to find livestock judges that can be respected by everyone and we can all sit down after the show and respect the decisions that were made, part of that going goes to experience and the only way you get experience is time. 
And I understand there's only so many judges to go around, so we're going to have to use young judges. Not every judge can be everywhere in the country all the same week when three weeks ago there was county fairs going on everywhere. And we had counties that were small counties that we had to have fine judges for. I understand you have to have a judge. You may have to go hire a young judge. To me, if I'm going to show and somebody says, hey, you're going to show and we're not going to give you names, but we've got this 24-year-old fresh out of college. They won six competitions. Or we've got this guy, did livestock judging in college 20 years ago. He raises club calves and... Uh, sells them on a private treaty sale, and uh, also goes around and does fitted clinics. I'm going with the older one every time. No question. That's the judge I want to show in front of. Without knowing their name, that's the judge I want to show in front of. Because of the experience, because of the knowledge, because of the maturity, I'm more apt to respect a judge like that. Now, for the hard part. Things that, that I don't like about certain livestock judges. And we're not going to name names. I'm not going to get into the blame game. Like I said from the beginning, I will respect any judge that is willing to go out there in the ring and knowingly going to only make probably one family happy and every other family that shows in front of you probably isn't going to agree with your decisions. That's not an easy position to be in. So I respect anybody that's willing to step in the ring and judge livestock shows. Always have, always will. And I believe that anybody is, that does that deserves the respect from every showman. I will always tell my son every time he goes in the ring, no matter who the judge is, say please and thank you. Be respectable. If they offer you a hand, make sure you shake their hand. If they don't offer you a hand, find a way to go shake their hand. Right? Respect our judges. They deserve that. They're out there giving their opinion, the bullseyes on their back, no matter how they do. But there are some things that I seem to see more often that I wish I would. And uh, some of this, you know, some of this gets pretty heated in, in uh, social media talk, and I don't get into that. I, I never go out and would publicly shame a judge or anything like that. Um, but I think there's things that need to be talked about. So to start out with, um, we kind of covered it a little bit. I think that uh, livestock shows, the committees, the councils, the boards, what, whoever's running the livestock show, um, we've kind of seen a turn. And, and we've seen a turn in that. Shows are doing a better job of going out, getting sponsorship, going out and getting some of that money, bringing it back to put into the show. Whether that's for facilities, whether that's whatever the case may be. Um, I know in my area for sure I've seen a turn in, in payouts. Um, you know, a lot of these jackpots and, and spring shows, um, you know, they're they're not pocketing any money. They're taking the entry fees plus the sponsorship fees and... Uh, and they're getting some money to the grand champion. They're getting some some blowers, some shoots, some whatever. You can go out and show and compete and win and get something for your time. I think that's good. Another part of that, in my opinion, should be on judges. Most judges don't get paid a lot of money. You're talking county fair, small show, jackpot show. They may not be taking any money home. Generally, a judge is approached 
asked if the date works for them, if they're willing to come to the show. If they agree to it, the judges asked to put an expense report together. So I'm going to have $120 in gas to get there. I'm going to have two nights in the hotel at what what right now online looks like $140 a night. Uh, I'm going to have three meals. So I'm going to need X amount of money to come judge your show. The committee, board, council, whoever is putting the show on comes together and says that's an agreeable amount. We'll pay you that for your expenses and then give money on top. And usually they don't know what kind of money they're going to give on top because they don't know how many is going to show up to the show yet. And once the show is over, they're going to pay off the expenses and then they're going to write them a check for 150 bucks. and he was there for two days, right? It's not like people are getting rich going to judge livestock shows. It's not the way it works. It's more of a, usually, especially on small shows, it's more of a get back to the kids thing. I'll do it, just cover my expenses, and, you know, I'll make 100 bucks to justify being gone from home and being gone from work, but I'm not really making money, right? I'm, I'm breaking even and, and doing it because I enjoy it, and I enjoy showmen, and I want to keep this thing going type thing. Um, that's usually how it works. Um, sometimes shows have a certain budget and they're going to write the judge a check for 500 bucks and they just start calling and finding the first judge that'll come for 500 bucks. And, uh, I think if shows start investing more into that and saying, you know, Hey, we've got, we've already got the hotel taken care of. We've got this gas card. We'll send you in the mail. You'll have it three weeks before you ever head this way or, We've already got your plane ticket bought, and we've got, you know, 500 bucks for you to be here for three hours one morning. We want you to come judge the show, and we've got the money to do it, or we've got the money to go get a judge from further away, or we can we can justify uh, bringing a judge on a plane instead of trying to hire somebody that only lives an hour down the road. Whatever the case may be, I think more needs to be invested in those judges so that when we do find good judges, we can keep them in the ring. Right, because if if you're going out judging shows and you're a very good judge, and you get asked to go show, judge shows every weekend and it's breaking even for you, and you got to spend time away from your family and this, you're not going to do it that often, right? You're probably you're probably invested in cattle back at home in one, one way or another that you can't be going every weekend. But if shows were willing to make it a little bit easier for you to travel and say, hey. Bring your family. We'll cover their suppers both nights. Uh, then, if there's more invested in the judges, then those judges that are good judges, we can get at more shows so that more people can have the privilege of showing in front of them. And those judges that aren't very good would easily weed themselves out because not many people are going to pay good money and invest all those resources and all those sponsorship dollars and all that entry fee dollars into bad judges for very long before they start saying, we're spending this kind of money. We deserve a better judge than that. Let's go find a good judge, right? I think we start doing those things and investing some more in getting those judges and keeping those judges, and the bad judges weed themselves out very quickly. Um, That's one of my kind of pet peeves is, Even a good judge that comes from only an hour away, to me, 
is hard to justify as a good judge. We should go get judges from further away. It's just, it's just simple that way. I think that there's a lot of blame that goes about judges being political. And I think a lot of it is smoke. I don't think there's fire to most of it. I think it's just smoke. I think that people can make a connection and so they blame it on politics. I think that if you are agreeing to judge a show and you only have to drive an hour down the road, you know that you're going to get blamed for politics whether you're applying politics or not and you should probably say no to that show. You should probably say, you know, I live an hour down the road. I know half the people that are going to be there. I don't know any of the kids, but it's just going to look bad. I, I'm not going to agree that judge that show. And whoever's putting on that show should never have offered to a person that only lives an hour down the road or an hour and a half or two hours, right? We should be going out and finding respectable people from eight hours away and having the funds to get them on a plane and get them here or have the funds to pay for the gas for them to drive here and drive back home, right? A lot of the politic thing usually be, usually to me usually it's false you can make a connection to anybody in the livestock industry because we are such a close knit industry right because a lot of the calves that sell on big sales online have traveled through five or six different sales before they ended up in a family's home right cattle are traveling more people are traveling more it's not uncommon to see somebody showing in your state that drove through three states to get here right there's a lot more connections in the cattle world than ever before so when we pick judges we're gonna have connections doesn't mean that the judge chose calves based on those connections and usually that's what you see usually it's you know well, this judge picked this calf because, you know, they, they went to college with their cousins, brothers twice removed or whatever the case may be. Well, you look at the show and actually look at the cattle and start evaluating the cattle yourself and you go, well, that calf was for sure in the top five of the best calves there. So it's reasonable to think that that was the best calf in the judge's mind, right? But people instead assume that it's politics and the calf was only picked on politics when, again, we're assuming what's in the going on in the brain of the person, right? We're, we're assuming what's going on in the head of a judge, and we can't do that. We can't continue to do that because if we can't know that that's how it happened, if, if we don't know for sure that that's what happened, then we shouldn't be blaming it because it just puts a bad name on possibly a good judge. You know, one you hear a lot is, well, they picked that calf, and then, uh, you know, two nights later, we seen them having drinks at the hotel together. Well, you know, did they kiss the judge after the show and offer to buy him drinks? That's not uncommon, and if they never spoke before the show, is there anything wrong with that? You know, I I don't know. It just always is kind of circumstantial and and uh, seems like most most times it's it's not really that political as people think. I know it does happen. It absolutely does happen. Provably, you know, judges pick their friends' calves or a judge is paid off to pick a certain calf. I know it's happened. It's been proved to happen. Should be illegal. 
should be very frowned upon, and those judges shouldn't be allowed to be judging anywhere in the country again. But if we don't have a way to hold them accountable, it makes that hard. And the only people that can hold them accountable is the people that are on the boards, are on the committees, uh, are on the councils picking these judges out. They're the ones that have to say, I know I could get that judge, but they're an awful judge and they've been political their whole career. I'm not doing that to the families in my area. I'm not doing that to the families that are coming to show here. I'm going to do my family's justice and the people that are coming to show here justice by going out and spending the money and get a good judge. That's how it should happen. Um, it is hard. There's a lot of average judges out there. There's a lot of poor judges out there. And there's only so many that can find the open weekend to come judge your show. There's only so many shows one judge can hit. Um, and I hope that politics with social media and stuff will quit. I hope that people start holding them accountable for doing that. That makes the poorest of the poor judge even worse. So, next part, things that bother me about judges. Uh, we kind of covered it before, but a, a judge that likes to talk. A judge that is trying to entertain me more than actually evaluating cattle. To me, the judge is there for one reason and one reason only. To pick the best calf in the class and then pick the second best calf in the class. Whether that class is the first one in the ring, whether it's the division, whether it's the final drive, that's, that's what I expect out of them. I don't need to be entertained. I don't care how many great stories you have or what kind of words you can drum up. I'm not there to be entertained. It seems to be more common with judges fresh out of college that when they're giving reasons, they try to find the most obscure, odd phrases, odd words. Sometimes you feel like you need a thesaurus to watch a show because they're using words that you've never heard before to describe cattle in a way that you've never heard before. That should not be the case. This is no longer collegiate livestock judging or competition livestock judging. That is a different world completely. I also get kind of annoyed by the way a judge talks. Um, I don't know. There's plenty of online videos, but if you've ever seen a um, blooper from a newsreel, Right, Somebody's sitting behind a news desk on TV and they're giving a story and then something happens so they say cut and then they're talking. You notice a huge difference in the way they talk when the cameras are rolling and when they aren't. And a lot of livestock judges are starting to do that. When they're giving reasons out in the ring, they talk this way. And then after the show's over, you go ask them a question about what they were talking about and they talk completely different. That should not be the case. When you're in the ring talking cattle, you're talking to youth most most of the time, unless we're talking to open show. Either way, whoever's on the handle of that calf should have no questions about what you're talking about. And sometimes that news anchor cadence talk, used car salesman speech doesn't mean anything. It, and it's hard to listen to. It's hard to 
listen to somebody talk like that and go, boy, they were honest and open. Right? It sounds fake. It sounds like you're trying to lie to us. It sounds like you're trying to entertain us, not give us the truth. Kind of like a news anchor does, right? Every story they talk about is made for one thing, to entertain, right? News anchors aren't really in the news business anymore. They're in the entertainment business. And that's not what livestock judges are supposed to be. They're supposed to not be entertaining us, but giving us information. And if we're not getting information and just being entertained, then why do the cattle even need to be out there? What's the point, right? So to me, the word should be simple, basic. We've had the same terms for cattle body parts, types, descriptive terms for livestock for the past 100 years. There's no reason to change that and make yourself an individual, make it about you by using random words out of a thesaurus and a dictionary that nobody's going to understand. Keep it simple. Keep it so that whether it's an 8-year-old on the, on the halter or a 40-year-old on the halter, there's no question in their mind what you thought about that calf. There's no question. That's what means a lot to me because there is a big difference. When we're in a competition livestock judging, it's very different than judging a class in the ring. And I'll explain why. And I don't think that because you were good at livestock judging in college means you'll be good at livestock judging in a ring. I also think it doesn't mean you're going to be bad either. I think there's a lot of collegiate livestock judges that are very good and, and compete at the highest level when we're talking about competition livestock judging and find a way to see the differences and flip the script when they go out to a show ring. For some reason, it's easier for some people than it is for others, and some of them are very good about flipping that switch and realizing this is a completely different thing. Others aren't, and others go from competition livestock judging right in the ring and treat it the same way, and it hurts them a lot more than it helps them. And I'm going to try to kind of describe why. First of all, when we're in competition livestock judging, generally we're going to have four calves per class. We're also going to cover other species, but generally it's four head. There are some outside circumstances. Most of the time it's four head, and it's four head that are very alike in their type and kind. Okay? And then when we give reasons, we are giving reasons against 200, 300, 400 other kids. The reasons are a competition. So when we're picking cattle, we're trying to, when we're picking the cattle and placing the cattle, we're trying to do it like the officials for that competition are doing it, right? That's our goal, is to match our order with the official's order. If we do that, we win. When we get to reasons, we're trying to make ourselves seem like an individual and stand out and be impressive and entertaining to the officials. Because if I can make myself an individual and stand out and do this great job and be entertaining, then I will get a higher score than the 200, 300, 400 other kids in the same show, in the same competition when we flip the script and we go to the ring you can tell how that's the opposite right we're not trying to match 
the order of the Cavs to the official's order anymore. We're trying to make individual decisions on 10, 15, 20 calves in the same ring at the same time and decipher which calf is the best and which calf is the worst and do that when there's a lot of different types and kinds standing out there. There's very few shows anymore when you go and there are every 15 head in that class all of the same type and kind. We have various breeds. We have crossbreds that have eight different breeds in them and different compilations of breeds and very different types and kinds in our show rings anymore. It's very hard for somebody who's only been evaluating four head to now go evaluate 15 head that are all very different types and kinds. Right? That's That's a hard switch to make. And then when it comes to reasons... We're no longer competing against anyone. There's nobody else giving reasons on the same class. You're the only one giving reasons. You're the only one talking calves. Only one with a microphone. You don't need to compete with anybody. All you need to do is talk to the talk to the families that, that got the calves there. You don't need to entertain the officials anymore. You don't need to entertain the crowd. You just need to give information to the show families. That's it. So you can see the differences there and how if you were in competition livestock judging and you went to a show to judge a show and you treated it the same way, how that's not going to apply correctly. There are a lot of things you can learn from collegiate livestock judging that you can carry over to the show ring. Right? There's the process of breaking down and evaluating a calf inside your own brain when we can't cut that calf apart and look at the length of the femur bone, look at the way the tendons tie together, look at the amount of pounds of muscle, right? Because that's that's kind of the first thing we learn in livestock judging when we're in you know grade school and start doing livestock judging in 4-H or FFA or whatever when uh, dad's teaching us how to pick a good calf. That's kind of the first struggle we go through. And and sometimes livestock judges never never jump that hurdle is finding a way to understand what's going on on the inside of an animal from the outside. Right? That's that's the hard part. Collegiate livestock judging can teach you some of that. Can help your eyes develop into finding those those differences in cattle when we can't cut them open and look on the inside, right? There is things there that carry over. But most of the other things, the entertaining reasons, the wild phrases, the big words, the way we need to stand out for reasons, the way we need to match and judge the cattle based on the official's decisions, not based on ours, Um, are things that are hard to hurdle when you flip the script, when you go from competing in livestock judging to being a livestock judge. It's just very different. And like I said, I think there's a lot of things you can carry over. The main one would be the process inside your head and the, the process of your eyes to train your eyes on how to find the differences in the cattle. Um, I think that carries over well. Most of the other things don't. 
And so spending time in the livestock ring without being a judge after you're done with collegiate livestock judging is why I talked about that before and how that outside experience would give you more respect in my mind as a livestock judge than if you just came fresh out of college because you've been taught different things. Your coach has been teaching you different things than what you're going to use in the ring. That's an important thing for me. That's where this huge speeches and big words and reasons that don't actually apply frustrate me so much because to me that makes you a poor judge even though you may not be that way. You've been trained into being that way when you go give reasons in a livestock grade. The other thing that you know we kind of touched on with, with picking livestock judges is just because somebody is judged somewhere doesn't mean they're a good livestock judge. And I know it's hard because it's hard to find judges. It's not easy to find livestock judges. If you are just sitting on a committee or if you are a superintendent, whatever the case may be, it's not an easy decision, right? Because as you start going through it, you're trying to get somebody from far away that nobody knows, well, this person knows this person and this won't come and... You know, you're going to call 10 judges that probably aren't going to come because they're busy that weekend. And you're going to call 10 more that just don't want to do it. And you're going to call, you know, and there's only so many people you can reach out to that sometimes the available ones get to judge more even though they may not be any good. So I would never say, well, that, that person's judged everywhere. Of course they're good. You know, this is part of this that, we need to find a way as an industry inside the ring to elevate the good judges and take the bad judges back down a step so that we don't have these issues. There is nothing more frustrating than spending the time, the money, on going to a show, doing your best, spending an hour fitting your calf, and you've been working with them for four weeks have them in the cooler so they're haired up and they're ready and you spent all this money on product and you, uh, you're you covered in sweat and adhesive and paint and going out to the ring and getting nothing from the judge. Leaving with no respect for the judge is a hard thing to swallow. It's It sucks. It is no fun going and, and showing in front of judges like that. And we all know, we all know one like that. We've all been to a show when you've left with absolutely nothing. And I'm not talking about a championship. I'm not talking about winning your class or doing better than you thought. Leaving with no respect for the judge sucks. Because you can be mad that you didn't win. You can be mad that you got sixth place instead of fifth place. You can be mad for a lot of different reasons. But if you put all that work in and feel like you didn't even get an honest shake, it hurts. It's not just being mad. It actually hurts. And when you have a judge that doesn't respect that, it's awful. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is watching a judge nonchalantly just pick calves and they're over in the corner laughing with their buddies. And when they're over, they, you know... They don't really act like they care. It's more about them than it is about the cattle. Um, it sucks leaving from a show like that. It, you know, uh, 
when it's more about them than it is about the calf, um, it's no fun. It's, uh, it's frustrating to say the least. And it leaves you, leaves you pretty empty handed judge that, you know, won't talk the bottom half of the calves leaves you empty handed. Right. I, I don't know how many times anymore you see a judge and they'll talk the first calf for five minutes. The second calf, they'll talk the third calf. They give a minute, fourth calf, they'll give 30 seconds to, and then they just say, rest of the calves are just all really good calves going to have a bright future. That is frustrating. That is disrespectful to me that you can't put the time in and talk about the bottom half of the class. Even the bottom calf, you know, sometimes it's just the bottom three. Sometimes it's just the bottom calf. If you can't describe and give me the way you view every single calf in the ring, whether there's two or 20 in the ring, then what are we even doing here? That makes a poor judge, in my opinion. A poor judge would rather talk about themselves than talk about cattle. A poor judge would rather rush through and stand in the corner and chat with their buddies than to put the time in looking at cattle. I know when I evaluate cattle, I'm going to try to give every calf equal amount of time with my eyes. I'm going to try to give every calf the opportunity to move up and the every calf the opportunity to move down as I start weeding through the gray between the black and white on every calf. And when you see a judge, don't do that. When you see a judge that just walks through, picks them, talks about a couple and walks out it's disrespectful and that sucks when you've already given the judge respect you already went to the show and said i don't know who this judge is i hope for the best i'm going to give it respect and you give them respect walking in and then they don't respect you they don't respect the cattle they don't respect the time of all the showmen in the ring by at least being open and honest and working through the cattle and talking every cattle You don't have to be nice. You don't have to say every calf is a good calf. You can be honest. You can talk about that last place calf and talk about all their issues. That's fine with me. That's probably what I would do. If you had a really, really poor calf at the bottom of your class, instead of just getting to the third from bottom and saying the rest of calves have a bright future, I would probably go through and break down the problems with those calves because the showmen need to know what you view in that calf, even if it is a poor calf. The families need to know. Maybe they got three or four calves at home. This was the tame one, so they thought they'd bring it to see what you thought of it. If you you don't say anything about it and just push it off and shove it out the ring, they're not going to go home with the information they need. If you say, you know, this calf has got a lot of structure issues, a lot of issues that he's not going to grow out of, I'm worried about this calf's future, um, they're going to have no problem putting muscle on, but I think they're going to struggle getting around the more muscle they put on, and they're going to have a hard time getting this calf fat because he struggles so greatly getting around. That's something that family can go home with and say, hey, we need to find a different calf. This calf, you know, this calf is tame, but he, he's just not any good. We thought we could get by with just using him, um, but we need to get rid of him and get those other calves in here and get them broke so that we can start showing them, right? That, that's information a family can still use. It's not, not the information they'd like to hear, right? Nobody wants to hear they brought a poor calf. Nobody wants to hear that they're in the third from the bottom, but the calf has a bright future and just needs to be have more days on feed and be pushed a little bit harder to be able to compete with the more powerful, heavy set muscle calves in the class. Nobody wants to hear that. But if 
if you can leave with some information, at least you've got that. If you get bottom of your class and you leave with no information, you left with nothing. You put a lot of time in there for nothing because you you weren't rewarded with getting any place besides last, and you weren't with, rewarded with least the respect of the judge to give you the reason why you're there so you can go home and work on it. And that's my big thing. Like I said from the beginning, if you respect the judge and the judge respects you, you should leave with information to get better. If you don't leave with information to get better, why are we showing? Because that's, that's what all this is, is about, is moving the quality standard of all cattle up. And the only way we do that is by moving every calf's quality up as we go. Right? So if every person that shows leaves the show knowing what they need to do to make that calf better from top to bottom, every time we show, we should be getting higher quality. And the next year when we go to pick our calves, we should be picking high quality calves. And the year after that, higher quality calves. The year after that, high quality calves. So we get better and better and better as we go. Just like if you had 100 cows at home. And you bought a hundred. You went out and you bought a hundred cows. And every year you're going to keep ten heifers. Every year you're going to try to improve, get that quality up, 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 up. And then in thirty years you got yourself a pretty good herd, right? You're showing. You start showing in your eight. You get information. When you turn around and you, now you're nine, you're showing again. You should have better calf. Be doing a better job with them. Ten, same way. So by the time you're 18 years old, and this is the last you're going to show before you're off to college, you are the best you could possibly be. If you showed from the time you're 8 to 18, and every show you went to, the judge gave you something to work on, either with your calf or your showmanship skills or whatever it may be, 10 years later, you're going to be a lot better. If the judges aren't giving you anything for 10 years, you're going to be the same showman with the same calf, every year that's why it matters that's why the respect matters to me that's why livestock judges being open and honest and completely forthcoming in their reasons matters that's why having a judge that is respected inside the ring and outside the ring within the industry matters that's why finding these poor judges and Knowing as an industry that this judge does not have the eyes to be a livestock judge or this judge is more worried about entertainment value than they are about the actual evaluation of cattle on the basis that we decide as an industry is important to us. That's why that matters. And if we can eliminate the poor judges and elevate the good judges, then we all we all gain. Whether we're picked grand, whether we're picked last, we all gain. That's why I wanted to talk about that. That's why it's so important to me and why it's so frustrating to me when I get done showing. And I don't have a lot of respect for a judge because I know better. I know the evaluation process of a livestock judge. I've judged shows. I've been there. So when I leave and have no respect for a judge 
and the job they did, even if I, I still respect everybody that goes in the ring. But if I don't respect the job they did that day, that is tough for me. Because I know, I know what the judge should have said. I know why the judge did the things they did. Because I've been in that shoe. There's a lot of youth in that same ring that don't know the differences. That don't understand why they got third place instead of second place. They don't understand why they got last place. Because they're nine years old. And if that judge didn't respect the entire group enough to be open and honest and actually give a honest evaluation of those cattle, then you've only hurt those youth that don't understand these things yet. And you, you hurt the young families that this is the only second time they've been to a show and you do these things and you aren't honest. You don't give a good evaluation of the cattle. You've only hurt that family versus elevating that family that's brand new. They didn't grow up showing cattle. This is their second show. If you do a good, honest, open, forthcoming job judging the show, that family can leave with more information and get better every day. If you're left with nothing, it was just a big waste of time. And like I said, this is this is all... No matter if we win a show, no matter if we lose a show, get middle of the class, bottom of the class, it doesn't really matter. This is more about the judges and how they do in their evaluation process and how they do in their reasoning process because it matters. It matters greatly. We're an industry that has grown so much that show cattle is its own industry now outside of the feedlot industry and the cow-calf operations and the different parts of the cattle world. Show cattle is its own industry now, and it's based on livestock judges. It lives and dies with livestock judges. We have to do a better job of keeping them accountable and going out and finding good ones and elevating them. That's all I got. Thank you guys for tuning in. Been doing some lives on TikTok. Seems to be pretty popular. I don't know that much about it. Um, If you look up Back to the Barn on TikTok and hit follow, I don't believe you actually have to download the TikTok app or have an account. You don't have to give up any information. I think you can just go on and search um, and view them. And... I'm going to start doing that more just because it's popular and it's easier for me to throw my phone on when I'm clipping calves or I'm rinsing calves or whatever I'm doing that day. Um, Do a live for a couple hours. People can kind of see the process I go through um, inside the barn when I'm working cattle. Um, So if that sounds entertaining to you, look up Back to the Barn on TikTok and hit follow. And then when I go live, it will send you a notification. And you'll be able to watch me clip calves for an hour or whatever I'm doing that evening. And generally, I work calves in the evening, so it works well because people off work and and things like that. Um, Also going to put together some clipping videos, fitting videos. I was hoping to do um, one for at State Fair, but it was kind of a a cluster and hard to to hear how to talk, hard to uh, get a good view of the calves where you'd 
you'd be able to see anything. Um, but maybe one of these evenings I will uh, get a YouTube video recorded and fit a back leg or something like that and kind of go through my process um, on some of these calves that are still young. And uh, before our sale, our sale's in October, so before our sale I'll try to do a few of those when I got calves here that are kind of younger and smaller and have some hair but aren't, you know, super, super haired up yet um, to where it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. And uh, sometimes younger calves kind of make easier displays for things like that because you can see see all the differences and and uh, see all the way around the leg and stuff. When you get a big calf, sometimes it's it's hard to see the minor differences and things like that. But maybe we'll do that one of these evenings, um, record a live and and put it on YouTube or something like that, so that you guys can keep viewing those. Um, hit up my email. You guys have been great about emailing me questions and stuff and. I think I've got everybody emailed back. If if you emailed me and I haven't emailed you back at bachdeblarn at gmail.com, send it again or send me a new one uh, with email anymore. A lot of the stuff I get seems to go in the spam folder. I don't know. There's so many ads and stuff you get on email anymore. It's sometimes hard to tell. But I've tried to catch them all. If you got questions, sales season's coming up. That's going to be our next podcast is... How do we go out and find a calf? How do we pick a calf? What do we need to know about online sales? What do we need to know about private treaty sales? Um, what should we be looking for in cattle? All of that. Um, it's sale season now. Basically just getting started. Another two weeks and we're going to be really into the heat of it. Kind of in the middle of September really hits the heat of it in the middle of October. Um, my sale isn't until October so... We will uh, probably do a podcast here pretty soon about that and uh, go from there. I appreciate you guys listening to this long one. I know it kind of got lengthy, um, but it's such an important topic. Livestock judges make or break everything in this industry. And uh, I just really enjoy when I give a judge respect before I get there and they earn even more by the time I leave. And I really hate it when I give a judge respect before I get there and uh, I leave respecting him less. Um, That's hard. It's very hard. And I know it's hard for families that, uh, you know, are going to spend all the investment to go out and show and uh, and have to walk away with the judge's decision no matter if it's uh, a grand champion belt buckle or if it's a uh, white ribbon last place. Uh, It's always hard. But thank you for listening. See you guys next time.